elevates those two. Then you got to say, no, they did need KD. Where game fours are usually where you see the better team assert. You preempted by going on ESPN and undermining everything the Lakers are trying to do. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Skip and Shannon to break down Kevin Durant's recent Twitter responses on his free agency. Uh, what do you think? Let me start by giving some background on my relationship with KD. KD and I have what I call a love-hate relationship. (laughs) And, And I'm not trying to say we're bosom buddies and we're all that close, but we do have a relationship. We have texted, this is no exaggeration, there have been days, a couple of days, We've texted for two, three hours straight, okay? About life, about basketball, about media, uh, about faith. And I've I've challenged him on his faith and and, because we do share a faith walk. Neither one of us is perfect in our faith walk. And I've challenged him and he's challenged me. Hmm. And, And our faith, common faith in Jesus Christ, no matter how flawed we each may be, has always enabled us Mm -hmm to come to a point of civility and understanding. Even if we disagree Disagree. and even if we agree to disagree, we've always been able to come to that point of understanding. So this tweet, people are like, KD clapped back at you, KD went. This was tame. KD has gone at me much harder privately. Like, he doesn't do it every time, but when I've said things on TV that he doesn't agree with, he he will come back at me privately. And he's called me names. He's gone at me much harder than that tweet. And again, we've always been able to talk it out, come to a place of understanding. So that this tweet was was nothing to me. And what I'll say, obviously, he he tried to go at it literally. A worst nightmare. Obviously, it's a figure of speech. Right. Just that this this narrative, right, this narrative that has followed him and dogged him could be coming to pass and get worse if if, if this, if they win it without him. Mm -hmm. But he, I, here's what I feel about the tweet. I hope KD does have this perspective. I hope he's saying, man, I'm blessed. I know what I came from. I came from a broken home. I came yeah. from poverty. And now I'm an NBA superstar. My family is taken care of. My future family will be set. Nothing that happens on the basketball court. No basketball narrative can take away my inner peace and joy. That's what the tweet was saying. I hope that is true. I fear it may not be. That's not true. Right, but I hope <laughs> that he has reached out. I think LeBron, I think that's how players can deal with this stress that is put on them. LeBron has figured that out. Like he said, look, yeah, basketball, we got some struggles right now, but my life is great. And that's how you have to look at it. So I, that's how I look at his tweet. And I'll say that I have no, this is my last point, I have no problem ever with KD or any player coming at me. And you guys know this. In our position, we are we make a living critiquing athletes, right. positively or negatively. Right. So it would be hypocritical of us to sure. not be able to take it when they come back at us. Right. So I'm fine with, with a guy coming back at me like well, that. Dude, KD needs and to again, un- it was very well, tame. See, KD needs to understand. That's my job. 
is to critique or analyze his performance. His job is to perform. When you perform well, I give you a positive critique. Right. When you don't perform well, I give you a negative critique. Mm -hmm. What's happening before our very eyes, in Kevin Durant's very eyes, his impact on the Golden State Warriors is slowly diminishing because he didn't play a game and they swept the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. And Steph Curry had the most points in a sweep in NBA history. That's not conjecture. That's not innuendo or speculation. That's fact. By the way, they did turn around the Houston series without him. Without him. Right? They looked like they had a little easier time yes. without him than when he Correct. was there. Correct. Correct. When ahead. you are a player and you're injured, you want your team to win. But deep down, you want them to struggle a little bit. You want them to miss you. That's human nature. Sure. Anybody tell you otherwise, they're lying. Right. Now, does he want them to lose? No. But he sure would like for this thing to go seven. <laughs> He would like for it to go seven. It's like, oh, it was touch and go there. If they'd have had Kevin, it would have been a lot easier. They mess around and get Toronto and Milwaukee and win this thing in four or five games. How does that help Kevin Durant's legacy? Mm -hmm. They swept one series without you. They win the other one in four or five games without you, and you did, oh, huh? Nah, instead of you, them saying Kevin Durant saved, nah, Kevin Durant got rescued. He was drowning. And right. Steph Curry and Draymond and Clay and Iggy swam out to him and brought his butt to the bay. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kevin. That's what's coming. That's what's happening, KD. If, like I said, if this team was 47 and 35, if this was a 40-40 team before he got there, struggled, got out the first round once, got swept, made it to the second round. He goes there, put him over the top. Kevin Durant to the rescue. How you gonna rescue somebody that's already sitting in the lifeguard chair? He ain't drowning. But you were, because guess what? You had that team down 3-1. The very team that you joined, you had them down. Mm -hmm. And guess what? And they beat you, beat your tail. In order for you to stop getting your tail beat, you go join them and kick everybody else's butt. That's true. That's how they looking at you, KD. I'm sorry. Man, what Steph Curry's done. Like I said, you know, he got a nice car. You know, we don't really like a whole lot of people driving our car. Mm. Steph Curry had the nicest car on the block. Mm. Drive a Ferrari, because that's what Golden State is, a Ferrari. Mm. He said, KD, if you come over here, I'll let you drive. <laughs> KD said, for real? He got out and got in the passenger seat. Mm. KD got in the driver's yeah. seat, and they done been driving ever since. Mm. But, but now Steph back in the driver's seat, so I ain't getting out again. So the one word in Kevin's response to your stance that told me that he didn't really have a big problem with you personally was the word B-U-D-D-Y. He called you buddy. Yep. And I don't think he... Tosses that word around loosely, no. and it wasn't sarcastic. It was it was genuinely yeah. buddy, and I believe he still considers you love hate buddy right. more than <laughs> the, the other way adversary. Right, and yet, you know, and I know that Kevin is constantly sort of internally battling with identity crisis. Who am I? We went through the whole thing. Am I a nice guy or am I not nice, Kevin Durant? Do I believe in God or do should I really believe in God? Do I really buy into it? Because he seems to just go back and forth yeah. and he's constantly Struggling. internally yep. conflicted with all of the above. And now he's facing the biggest decision of his career. And the point is, what, the reason he responded publicly instead of privately to you is he wanted his followers, he wanted the, the basketball world out there to know he does take issue with your stance about this because you hit a deep, hot button. Sure. You, you hit a sore spot with him because he knows that what you just detailed is happening right before our very eyes. 
and it hurts him. He's thinking about it. It's, it's thinking you about brought it. Like we you said, it's human nature. Yes. Yeah. He didn't text you and say, Chris, you're all wet or whatever right, he right. said. You know, like, he didn't say that. Bro, you're wrong for that yeah. one. Right. No, he, he, he had to do it publicly, but, but gently and nicely and gentlemanly to you. Hey, buddy, you know, there are worse things in life. There's not a worse thing in basketball life than what he's facing right, right. now. So now we're to what Shannon and I went back and forth on earlier in the show. The only way out of this that I see for Kevin right now is, let's say he 95% heals, 100% heals, and he starts game one against, let's say it's, who knows, Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. sure. And all of a sudden, let's say that Steph and Clay and Draymond are shrewd enough operators. They say, you know what? Let's go ahead and make him re re refocus the whole offense around Kevin. Right. Let let's make him the sun in our offense again. And we'll go back to being what we were through the regular season and through the last two finals. And Kevin rises and shines again and becomes the third straight finals MVP. Well, that could solve all the problems because then he could be back in the driver's seat. But you still think that does it? Because I'm not so – like, I feel like the – it, obviously, if he's healthy, he should play, I guess. That's what your instincts tell you. Right. Sure. But the best thing for him basketball-wise is if they lose that first game. He doesn't play. Okay. They lose the first game. He come back then he can come back and, and they went right. right. So maybe the very best thing is if he doesn't play at all and they lose to Milwaukee. That would okay? Because right. I do think, like, if it diminished, look, you got to give him credit for the two rings no matter what. Yeah. He was the driver. He, he, was. Was the, he was a finals MVP. He was great. He outplayed LeBron. But if he lose, if they win this series without him, it does diminish those two a little. It does. Yeah. But no. if they lose the series yeah. without him, it elevates those two. Then you got to say, no, they did need KD. Next, Vincent Goodwill joins Nick and Cece to break down the Warriors' sweep of the Blazers. How incredible has this run been, Vinny, for them? You know, it's hard to quantify when you're in the moment, even from a historical standpoint. Like, you have yeah. to kind of wait a couple of eras before you fully appreciate it. Like, for me, I'm a music lover. So I think of the Warriors as, like, Stevie Wonder in the 70s or, or Prince in the 80s, where when it's happening, they're dropping album after album. You're not really figuring out, oh, my God, this is classic. You know, this is historic, and I think this is how we're going to view the Warriors in 10 or 15 years from now. We're not going to think about, oh, well, KD came from free agency, from Golden, I mean, from OKC, where they had a seven-game series, and we were deprived of a rivalry. We're going to look at some beautiful basketball that changed the way that this game has been played for generations to come in a short period of time. Like, the way that the game was played in 2014 compared to the way the game is being played now, it's almost like aliens came down here and said, shoot more threes, switch on defense, and basically take all the positions away. And I don't think that there's been any greater change of, sh of shift in any point in such a short period of time in NBA history where the game looks so completely different and aesthetically better or worse depending on your sensibilities. And I think that's where the Warriors' greatest legacy is going to be once we're able to remove all the feelings and everything else from it, just how beautiful they've made the game look, how easy and how dedicated they've been throughout these playoff runs. Five straight NBA finals, man. Like, as of a decade ago, the watermark was essentially three. There was, there's Russell Celtics went to 10 straight. It's an eight-team league. It's different. Russell's also the greatest winner in sports history. But post-Russell Celtics, how did you get to more than three straight? Well, you had Kareem and not quite his apex prime, but still MVP caliber Kareem and prime Magic Johnson. Two top five guys on the same team at the same time. That's how the Lakers did it. 
or you had Larry Bird when he won three consecutive league MVPs to go along with Kevin McHale coming off your bench and then Bill Walton coming off your bench along with a great eight-man roster. That's how you did it. No one else had done it as of a decade ago. We forget because what LeBron did with Miami and then Cleveland. But your Detroit Pistons, they went to three straight NBA Finals. The team, when I say your, the team you grew up watching, they went to three straight NBA Finals. The year they're going for their fourth straight, swept in the conference finals. Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, they went to three straight NBA Finals. The year they're going for four straight, they lose in the second round. Jordan's Bulls, they go to three straight finals. He then quits, goes to play another sport, goes to three straight finals again. He quits again. Like, going to more than three straight was considered nearly impossible. They've now been to five straight. And there is no precedent for it in the modern NBA. Even LeBron's eight straight, it's on two different teams. Mm -hmm. So he got, after four, he got a fresh set of legs from Kyrie. Mm -hmm. Fresh Kevin Love. You got a a new new coach, new everything. And so we're numb to it to a degree because we saw it coming. And especially once they got through the Rockets, it felt like, okay, even without Kevin Durant, they're going to be fine against Portland. But we should take a moment to recognize this is the type of thing. It's entirely possible. We never see it again. Mm-hmm. You, you can be a 45-year-old NBA fan. You've never seen it. And so who's to say anyone watching right now will see it again anytime in the next 45 years? So I, I think it's incredibly impressive. And Steph, Draymond, and Clay, what they have built there along with Steve Kerr, it's all-time great stuff. I think that... It's one of the greatest things we've ever seen, but I think it also would be one of the least appreciated. And the reason why, and we feel good about it now, and the reason why we feel good about it now is because Kevin Durant wasn't out there last night. If Kevin Durant was out there last night, they blow out Portland, they blow him out in two of the four games at least, and then we're talking about, well, they had to go out and get KD. Because, because you can't tell this story with Golden State, and it has been great five years. But all that, all the things that we loved and everything, in the end, we kind of didn't like it as much because it was very, very different. And maybe they had a little tricky pool by going out and getting KD. What was, but my question is, as an organization, isn't it your job to field the best possible team? We didn't, I didn't bag on the New England Patriots when they went and got the ultimate cheat code and Randy Moss and went 18-0. I didn't. I appreciated the fact that they said we're not good enough. Let's go out and get the best player we can. Because it never got that far because they never won. If they had gone undefeated and dominated for a couple years, you would have been like, oh, okay, we need to look at this. But they didn't win. And they hadn't won the previous two years. They, they, the, the Patriots mm-hmm. had, had gotten knocked out in 05 and 06. They didn't think they had And if Moss had had something to do with that. Right. They resurrected his career. Listen, yeah. we, don't, we don't have to relitigate. KD going there. But what we can't do is compare it to other things in sports history because it's unprecedented. No, no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is, as an organization, it's your job, whether it's through the Steph contract oh, or, yeah. or the cap spike and everything else, all these, you know, sort of circumstances that just sort of happened to, confi- to Look, create stuff at the, at the right proper time. When we were passing the out door. all the accolades and everything, I went to the organization first. And Steve Kerr. I didn't even get to the basketball because I believe that was special. What they have done, how they've cultivated that environment, gotten that institution built to get all the money to build, buy that new the new building, the new stadium. Steve Kerr with his health risk, like he wasn't proven as a head coach. 
That system, those backup players coming in and being competent, knowing their offense, knowing how they were going to play defense. That was culture last night that won that uh, game with all thing, those backups. Here's players. my other question. I'm sorry, Jenna, just real quick, because we're talking about five straight finals, not around the number of championships. Had they not gotten KD, they don't win again. Hold, hold on, hold on a they second. They don't. Hold on. Well, they, I'm not sure they do. Hold, wait a second. Do you think they don't make the NBA Finals a third straight time, the first year without KD, when they swept everybody? They swept the whole playoffs leading up to Game Four against Cleveland. You think they? So if they make it that year, they showed us this year they can beat the Rockets without Kevin Durant. Maybe they don't have the number of rings. Maybe Cleveland picks them off the first year. I don't know if Cleveland could have picked them off last year, but I think even without Durant. We're talking about their fifth straight finals appearance. I'm not, but you're trying to pretend as if Kevin Durant doesn't exist. Just because he's not on your team doesn't mean he's not in the league. If he doesn't go to Golden State, he either stays in Oklahoma City where he where or they goes were, to Boston, where they still could have made five straight finals. Or he maybe have went to Houston to play with his buddy James Harden. Then what happens? Okay, but the Houston wasn't recruiting Kevin Durant. I mean, that's not a no, real no, thing. no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. I believe that Kevin Durant knew he was going to Golden State that February before July ever came mm -hmm. up. So let's say Golden State doesn't exist and they're not recruiting him actively mm -hmm. from the previous season. And everybody knew that they were recruiting him. It was just a little more quiet than it was this time around. He stays west. He's still the best player in the basketball or one and two with mm -hmm. LeBron. That means you still have to go through that guy. And if he's on a team with better coaching and a more, you know, better constructed roster and hierarchy, he may put Golden State out. Like, you can't pretend as if he doesn't exist just because he's not on Golden State. Regardless, this is a team that went through everything they went through in the regular season where there were a lot of ups and downs that lost Boogie Cousins at the start of the postseason. They had no Iggy last night. They had no Kevin Durant in this conference finals. And now they're headed to the NBA finals. So we'll now, Willock and Wiley examine Magic Johnson's comments on the Lakers. The majority of this interview, and again, Magic Johnson's picture hangs in my apartment. Magic's my favorite athlete of all time, he and Tiger Woods. But I, I watched this interview and Magic just kept coming. It wasn't fun, it wasn't fun. And I was like, who told you leadership was fun? Hmm. Who, who told you corporate America and all, all the stuff off the court was fun? And so I just, this is not a great look for Magic Johnson. On the day the Lakers are announcing Frank Vogel as their coach, having a press conference, you preempted by going on ESPN and undermining everything the Lakers are trying to do. Uh, and then, but you've got a smile on your face. I'm a Laker fan and I'm a supporter and I want him to do well and Jeannie's my sister. But on this day, I'm going to be bigger than their announcement of a head coach. I'm going to submarine and try to destroy Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss. Not a great look, in my opinion. Uh, I must double down on what I said initially when Magic Johnson first stepped down. Uh, that Magic Johnson jumped on a grenade uh, that was caused by all the infighting within the Lakers. And he was big enough to deal with all the shrapnel. He was big enough to deal with all that would come from that and that fallout. And today confirmed that for me. Um, just, you know, just to preface everything, we know in this business that we have to book guests. And Magic especially has to be booked with that schedule. Yeah. So Magic didn't say, oh, when's the Frank Vogel press conference? Let me preempt that. Matt, Stephen A said that they had this well confirmed before Frank Vogel was announced, that part. Uh, but Magic has to also take some blame in this situation, knowing that there was a position created just for him. There, were, there was no such thing as Lakers president of basketball operations before Magic Johnson. Jeannie didn't have that vision. Jeannie didn't have that construction. But now let's lay it out, the <laughs> principles in, in, in this conversation. 
Jeannie Buss, do you trust her more than Magic Johnson? Jeannie Buss, the same person who backstabbed, maybe called out her brother through emails, through written transcript. See what I did to my brother. Everybody else better look out. This is Jeannie Buss. Or Rob Palenka, who Magic even said today, I was warned. As soon as I took the job, look out for Rob Palenka. Every agent out there in the business calling me, people telling me about his reputation. Or Magic Johnson. So this just confirms what I thought initially. Magic was big enough to let everybody have their opinions and talk about what happened with the Lakers. But history has shown, and common denominators are starting to be in place, where there's been infighting without and with Magic Johnson. He just wanted to disappear from that situation. You know, for me, I've kind of like a conspiracy theorist, right? So Rob Palenka, everyone knows how Rob Palenka is as an individual when he was an agent, being a snake, this, that, whatever. I just don't... There's more to blame than just Magic. Now, Magic, how you handled this, whether it's having an interview today or not telling LeBron, not even giving LeBron yeah. a conversation, this, that, whatever. Okay, I think you should have done something different. Yeah, okay? with you. Now, who else is involved with this to me? This is just to me. Rob Palenka, Magic, you didn't pick Rob Palenka. Jeannie, you picked Rob Palenka? Who else picked Rob Palenka? Kobe. Kobe picked Rob Palenka. Mm. Rob Palenka talks to Kobe. So could it be that those, those two <laughs> speak so much that Rob Palenka can pillow talk with Kobe about certain things? I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. Because how do you have that much? Magic Johnson is the, he's the oracle of all of them, right? <laughs> how, you have that much courage to speak about a man like that? Why do you have that courage? Because I got backing. Yeah. I have backing. That's just my opinion. Mm. So now you want to come out and now it's all this dysfunction. It's been dysfunctional. Yes. And you have the Wizard of Oz or Chappetto <laughs> on the back <laughs> speaking about certain things that ain't nobody going to sit and blame or even accuse or talk about. Mm. So I'm going to take a, <clears throat> another approach. This is the problem that I have with the NBA, some of the NBA organizations, period. Hiring friends and not hiring the right people for the job. And this is what you get. So Who's the friend? Palenka uh, or, or Magic? Both. Both, both are friends in some, some capacity. Passing, yeah. So instead of... Jenny and Magic, yeah, Magic was 19, right. was so, so at the end of the day, this is what you get. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Instead of going out there and, and, and hiring guys that's, that's deserving for this job and, and, and that's out there that's great GMs, you hire people that's your friends, Oh, he was part of the organization. Oh, he's connected to Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And it's a recipe for a disaster. Like Kat said, everybody knew about Rob Palenka's character. Everybody knew about mm -hmm. it before he even took the position. Yep. He, he was one guy I knew, oh, don't trust him. Don't trust him. Yep. Don't trust him. Mm. And he backstabbed Magic. And at the end of the day, I feel Magic about coming out and saying it for the simple fact that nobody stepped up and <clears throat> took up for Magic. He took heat for the last month about this situation. And nobody stepped up from, from Jenny to anybody and stepped up about it about the situation. Guys, I want to add something, and, and I don't hear me in context. I'm not remotely, I'm just trying to keep it real. No, you go ahead. Great athletes that understand the athletic world from the lane that you guys came up right, with. Right, right. From a corporate America working up the ladder status. Mm -hmm. This is my background. And I've known Rob Palenka since he was a kid at the University of Michigan playing with the Fab Five, covered the team. I don't personally like Rob Palenka, personally. I got a long history. He represented Derek Fisher. Go look up me and Derek Fisher. 
Rob Plinka lives out here in California. We've seen each other. I used to work out at a gym where his offices were. The whole snake thing, I get it. But in corporate America, mm -hmm. loaded with snakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And That's a fact. just That's because a you see a snake, a oh, I'm running, I'm going to get out of the house. We're moving. There's a snake. <laughs> yeah. right. No, 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 no. You chop snakes' heads off. That's the job. And, and for Magic to sit on TV, oh, it wasn't fun. Well, who told him it was fun? Well, you know what the I Lakers, like. you know Lakers <laughs> should have like, done? I like that. You know what should have <laughs> happened? Since you said, I agree with you there. I agree with you on chopping the snake head yeah. off. When Magic resigned and stepped down, no. guess what? The Lakers should have fired no. Rob Palenka. No, 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 no. If Magic were the man from the job, he'd have the knife and he'd chop the snake's head off. You'd, he ran up out of there. Mm. And so not, again, when you get in those hard, when you get, again, what Magic said, if you watch this whole interview, you get in this deal, oh, we had this meeting, we had this meeting, and I wanted to do this, and I want, and, and again, he's in the Olympics of ideas and debate in corporate America. Who wins the debate in them closed door meetings? I don't think If I he can't win it, and he's mad because Rob Palinka did win it. No, nope. that means you ain't nope. mad enough. But 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 we I agree. But it's hard because Magic in a tough situation. No, it's hard. But, because listen, Magic in a tough situation, knowing that you got Rob Palinka got Kobe Bryant backing Behind. him up. Mm. That's, that's a point. tough. That's oh, a tough situation. You some anacondas out there, <laughs> and you got to chop their heads okay, off too. But, but, Let's but, stay in the context <laughs> of that. I like that. <laughs> I want to provide a little perspective to the context. Yeah. That was beautiful. What? Here's the problem though. Magic even said today, I was on a three-year plan. <laughs> three-year plan. And I was going to go in, get this thing stabilized. Rob, I'm promoting you. It's yours. Rob wanted to jumpstart that process, backstabbing it, accelerate it. Well, why so, Rob I'm gonna tell has you, that confidence? Okay, here's the go. All right, but let me say this. Why somebody going to tell you about me? But let me no, say I this. I want to hear what they said about me. I want to know why you're so comfortable talking about me to you. No, that's not right. the issue. The issue is this. Magic's like, this ain't my house. I showed up here just to get some things in order. This is Jeannie's house. So guess what? When I see a snake in the backyard, I'm going to let you know, Jeannie, I came here to vacation. Just for, It's supposed to be fun, <laughs> and it's a snake back there. Jeannie, like, I ain't doing nothing with it. Guess what you would do? This ain't your house. You ain't got to go in the backyard and deal with them snakes. You dip. And Magic said, you know what? I tried to save you. you know I tried why? to warn you. You know why you I'm dip? You out. know why you dip? Because it ain't yours. It's, it's not yours. And guess what? You ain't that as much powerful as we think you are. Somebody else, like I said, Chappelle's behind there. Kobe. You ain't, you better not touch this snake. You can forget about mm -hmm. whatever's going on. And so, look, again, and, and, and Magic can go on TV and go at Palenka mm -hmm. and not be man enough to talk about the anaconda right. that's really back there. <laughs> right. That's Kobe. Right. right. And so, look, go attack. Rob Palenka, that's easy. Uh -huh. Don't attack, play nice, play patty cake with right. LeBron James. Right. Cause trust, that's another snake. Yeah, yeah it's all snakes yeah, in right. here. Kobe, like, all, and Kobe in LA is like Beyonce, the <laughs> beehive kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You better leave him but you alone. Ain't, look, you being real tough up here, cause look, I don't care who put the snake in the backyard, Kobe put Rob in the backyard. I'm on the Airbnb. I ain't going back there to wrestle with I it. it. I'm magic, I'm dipping, I'm on vacation. And if I'm, I'm NBA ownership, this is what, and other ownership, this is why I don't hire multi-millionaire athletes to come in, because they don't want to fight them all, fight. All yeah. hire, yeah. I'm going to dip. Or hire your friend. Yeah, the hire the best man the for the job. The I, I'm going to just tell you a guy that can handle it and has shown it. People love to criticize him or whatever. But Michael Jordan's been through all of this. Mm -hmm. The Wizards yeah. ran him up out. Mm. He didn't handle it like that. Michael Jordan, oh, okay. I'm going to get the shot. And y'all can say what y'all want about him running the Charlotte Hornets, and he ain't one, and he's a bad executive. But Michael Jordan is man enough for these jobs. 
He ain't running up out of there scared and getting on TV and pointing a finger and blaming everybody. Just wasn't fun. <laughs> These jobs ain't fun. Like, like. Following Vincent Goodwill is back with Nick and Cece to dissect how the Raptors even the series at 2-2 in Toronto. Vinny, how did the Raptors do it? Had they even up this series despite Kawhi's injury? Well, surprisingly, you don't associate Toronto Raptors with being a tougher team. But with Norman Powell, with Mark Gasol, with Serge Ibaka, they have out-toughed Milwaukee to a large degree. And this is where the series that, that playing against Philadelphia and going through that adversity has helped you going down 2-0 it, this has been a cakewalk for Milwaukee virtually through here. Boston mm -hmm. spontaneously combusted after winning that first game. And they went through an easy sweep against Detroit. So now this is the first piece of, oh, this team is going to fight back. Where Toronto went through that fight against Philadelphia. And Milwaukee hasn't gone through this. They haven't been through this at all in their playoff history with Giannis being the first guy. This is the first time they've gotten out of the first round. So I think this is a little bit of adversity for them. And they didn't know how to respond last night. I still think they win the series. I actually had them winning in five. So last night was a little bit of a shock to me where game fours are usually where you see the better team assert that they are the better team. Even if they lose the game, they wind up showing that they're the better team. We still don't know who the better team is, or at least the better team hasn't identified itself. Well, you mentioned the word adversity, and that reminds me of the last time the Raptors were in this exact position. They were facing a team in the 2016 Cavs, you know the quote I'm going to go to, that was had won 10 straight games start the postseason, went up 2-0 on the Raptors. Much like the, the Bucks had won, won 10 of 11 games start this postseason, go up 2-0 on the Raptors. And then the Raptors in 2016, much like this year, win the next two games at home, and LeBron and that 2016 Cavs team, LeBron's asked about facing adversity, and LeBron just very almost flippantly said, yeah, I've faced a lot of adverse situations in my career. This isn't one of them. And they went on to win games five and six by a combined 64 points en route to beating the Warriors in the championship. Now, I do not think Milwaukee's going to win the next two games by a combined 64 points. But if they are the team I believe them to be, which is the best team in the league with the MVP of the league, with the guy playing at a higher level over the course of the season in the playoffs than anyone in the league in Giannis Antetokounmpo, then they should win games five and six en route to the NBA Finals. But every team does have to, at some point, face a level of adversity en route to their first title, en route to their first championship. Golden State had to do it mm -hmm. when they were down 2-1 to Memphis and then down 2-1 again to the Cavs minus Kyrie and Love. We saw the Cavs have to deal with it when they were down 3-2, I'm sorry, down 3-1 to Golden State or the Heat down 3-2 to Boston after having lost an NBA Finals. We can go down the list. The, the Lakers at the beginning of their dynasty down 15 in the fourth quarter of a game seven just to get to their first NBA Finals. Like, you've got to go through a level of adversity. The question is, how will Milwaukee respond? What some people are, I think, concerned with is Milwaukee, after the game, said, we're just going to keep doing what we do. It's what we've done all year. We don't need to make any major adjustments. Toronto sees that, I'm sure, and says, okay, if you're going to keep doing what you're going to do, we're going to do what we did these two games in Toronto, see if it still gives you those fits. I trust what Milwaukee's built, but last night was a night where I did expect Milwaukee to win that game, to assert themselves and take control of that series. And Toronto was in control essentially after the first three minutes the entire rest of the way. Can we talk about Kawhi? Is anyone worried about Kawhi now? This is the, He played 52 minutes, then he came back. He played last night with a bothered leg. Are you worried about him moving forward? I'm worried about them winning the series. If you ask me the question, can 
Raptors win this series with Kawhi being less than 100%? I don't think so because I think I believe it's going to go seven games, and I believe in one of those fourth quarters in Milwaukee, Kawhi is going to have to be a superstar because the whistle is not going to go to the younger players, and you can't depend on the others. But the one thing I have seen with Kawhi last night that would have to give you a lot of confidence because regardless, and I see this with coaches all the time, Regardless of a player's injured, if you have a game plan, they don't get off that game plan. So I do believe that Kawhi will continue because there's 18 players that have defended Giannis at least 10 possessions this postseason. No one has held him to a lower field goal percentage than Kawhi. He's defending them 94 times. He's shooting 30%. Now, Kawhi showed you last night, I might not have the spring on the offensive end, but I can still be one of the best defenders in basketball. I think that will continue. But is he able to recover enough in the next six days to allow him to be a 28 to 30 point score? Because that just comes off of him, not play design, just I'm getting ready to go out and score because I'm good at scoring the basketball. So I am concerned about that. But right now, Cal Lowry is winning that point guard battle with Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe, 15.9 points during the regular season, getting about eight right now in this series to me. That is the difference. Does Bledsoe gain his shooting touch, wide open shots? He's missing those. If he's able to regain his touch, then Milwaukee will have that advantage that we thought that they had coming into the series. Well, to, to me, for Kawhi, it's two points. One, this has been the load management season, and he hasn't played a stretch of nine games or more since early December. He's right. working around like 20 right mm -hmm. now. You're starting to see some of that wear and tear from him not having played, him, his body not being in that rhythm. The good thing about Kawhi is that his game is low maintenance, that he doesn't expend a lot of energy offensively, even if he's limited. He's not trying to do a bunch of things with the ball. He's getting to a spot. He's rising up. He's taking his jumper. There's not a whole lot that you can do against him. So, to me, I think he can still be effective because he doesn't, he doesn't yeah, exert he unnecessary energy. I think your point about Kyle Lowry and Eric Bledsoe is well taken because we don't expect Kyle Lowry to be a great playoff performer. And he has had two games in this series. Yes. Eric Bledsoe, the good thing about him is that George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon are behind him. They hit bad games. Right. That's and, that's, and that's the problem. I mean, the Bucks bench, which has been killing Toronto's bench in this series, got killed last night. Toronto had three guys off their bench score 15-plus points. Yes. I mean, they, they Fred Van Vliet showed up. Fred Van Vliet in his previous 10 games was 7 of 44. Mm -hmm. He was 5 of 6 last night. In his previous 10 games, he had made three threes. He made three threes last night. A lot of times night. you get a lucky bounce. He banks a three-pointer. Yeah. Very, very lucky. First thing he's seen go in a long time, then he gets on this hot streak. So not only shooting, then he starts breaking down the defense, dishing, making assists. Now the Raptors are able to play at a different level. One other note for Giannis. Giannis, we, we, he's going to face these walls of defense in the postseason. And he's a willing passer and he's a good passer. But the way he broke through against Boston was he said, I do not mind going to the line. I do not mind you fouling me, and I will beat you at the line. He's 18 free throws in one game, I think 19 free throws in another. He was 2 of 7 
from the free throw line in game three. That tells me two things. One, he wasn't making them. But two, he wasn't drawing the fouls because he wasn't making them. He airballed a free throw to start last night. He seemed to try to go around contact instead of through contact. He needs to be fine with guys fouling him and believe he can make those free throws. Mid-70s during the regular season, down to 66% in the postseason. He seems a little hesitant to go to the line. That's minimized some of his effects. He also need to realize there was no one like Kawhi Leonard on Boston's roster. Correct. So you need to be able to make some adjustments. What worked during the regular season doesn't always work in the postseason. Kawhi Leonard's been the most effective defender. All right. To be Finally, Nick and CeCe examine the possibilities of where KD could end up this summer. Have our opinions changed with what we've seen and his injury and all of it on, on what the best option for Kevin Durant is next season? Mine has not. And with respect to Rich Kleinman, who does great in the business world and has been a confidant and partner with KD for a long time, and Joe Lacob, who's proved himself to be one of the best owners in basketball, the hell are they supposed to say? What's Joe Lacob going to say? Ah, listen, we know we're re-signing Clay. We don't know about Kevin. No, of course. He's going to say we're confident we're re-signing them both. And what's Rich, Rich Klein going to say on this Wall Street Journal sports panel? Uh, no, we know what we're doing, but we're not telling anybody. I mean, they, they're saying, see, what they have to say here. My opinion has not changed because I don't think any of Kevin Durant's plans have changed, which has been he was considering leaving Golden State last season. And it wasn't until and it wasn't until the end of the year run that they was they were fully confident he was coming back a year ago. All year long, everything's been moving towards the New York Knicks. And if he wants his best chance to not only build his empire, but to separate himself from LeBron in hopes of passing LeBron, doing it by establishing your hub across the country as opposed to across the street from LeBron in Los Angeles is the smartest move. So, no, my opinion has not changed 1% that Kevin Durant's going to be a Nick next year. So you think that he's got to go to New York compared to going to the Clippers? Oh, yes, because much like LeBron going to the Lakers, I don't think it's just about basketball. I think it's about setting up your post-basketball empire in one of the biggest cities in the country. And LeBron's, LA's a big city, but LeBron's sucking up a lot of oxygen there as far as people that want to be involved with athlete-turned-mogul. They've got Magic Johnson there. You now have LeBron there. Kobe's there as well. Derek Jeter's no longer in New York. He's in Miami. There's a space for that in New York City. Uh I'm going to stay away from the business side because I don't necessarily agree with that. Because okay. I believe, believe that in L.A., especially with the Clippers, if you win a championship, because also I do realize it's the Knicks. Would I, If I could pick, would I rather win a championship with the Knicks or with the Clippers? Of course. But, I mean, man, this is about trying to win. And anywhere he goes and adds a championship, he's going to add to his legacy. You guys can argue about, all oh, who's going to make more money off the court. That don't mean nothing to me. This is about sports. It's a sports show. And I believe that right now all these players realize how much winning has to do with it. And Kevin Durant, he has seen since he went down with that calf strain, they have not lost a game. They have not missed a beat. He's responding to people saying that, oh, if they win Kevin Durant's, his two other rings, they're going to be, uh, you know, you're going to have to have an asterisk yeah. on it and everything. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I believe the basketball is the most important part of it, and I believe that the Clippers are in the game. Doc Rivers, Jerry West, Steve Ballmer, they are in the game. And I think 
that that series battle, 4-2, to two, against the Clippers, I believe it gave Kevin Durant, you know, maybe a little more confidence that if I was able to join this crew of guys that we can get some stuff done. Where do you think Kevin Durant has, if, if, if winning is, the, is, is really what's on his mind and his biggest priority in playing basketball, where do you think he's got the best chance to win? Other than Golden Other State? Other than Golden yeah, because State. Because obviously, if it's just winning. Then he would stay where he if is. If it's just winning and if it's just money. He'd stay where he is. So, like, which is why the fact that it's even on the board that he that he's leaving to me makes it pretty obvious that he's leaving. If that makes sense, sure. because the th two things we hear people talk about winning and money, Golden State can offer him the most money. It's the best chance to win. So it's about legacy components as well. Even if we set the business part aside, I don't know that the Clippers are in a much better position moving forward than the Knicks because the Knicks are a blank slate. The Knicks have two max cap, cap spots and the ability to really be in the game for Anthony Davis. So now I don't, it's unlikely they would get Durant, a max free agent, and Anthony Davis, but to me it's very unlikely they would get Durant and neither of those other two. It would be Durant plus Anthony Davis or Durant plus all star level guard X, whether it's Kyrie, Kimba, Jimmy Butler. That makes you an instant contender. Is that a better spot than Durant plus what they already have in L.A. with the Clippers? Because they have less ability to easily sign another mm -hmm. max guy. To me, it is. Is the East still an easier route than the West, even though we are seeing the East get stronger? To me, it is. And does, the, does New York City have an allure off the court different than Los Angeles? To me, it does. So for all those reasons, but even if we just want to talk with basketball, the Knicks with Kevin Durant plus an all-star are an instant championship contender. Does that allure, though, affect his legacy? You, you think his legacy is affected by whatever decision he makes after Golden State? Well, it depends on if he wins. Like, his legacy, I mean, he doesn't want to leave with his legacy being Golden State, even if they three-peat. Kevin Durant with three championships, but they were in Golden State. He couldn't win without them. That's what the story will be. He wasn't a champion. He lost to them. He had them down three to one. He had to be able to join them. And also, you have to realize, though, Draymond, Clay, Steph, they got four. LeBron's got three championships. So, you're keeping count of this, and I believe that Golden State and those initial three guys who were there, it means more to them because they were in the program, drafted by the program, cultivated by the Golden State Warriors. And, and I understand that right now all of a sudden there seems to be some public momentum towards, well, maybe KD will stay. If that was on the board, I believe this calf strain and what has happened since then has removed it entirely. If KD had never gotten hurt, and he'd continued on this torrid pace he was on. He was averaging 39-5-5 five five in the eight games prior. And, it, it, and Steph, by the way, had been struggling somewhat in, yep. in, during that same stretch. And they go on to win a championship. That, it, that validates the previous two years in a different way. Maybe not to the same degree as winning elsewhere, but it validates them in a different way. Like, guys... Are we really – I'm averaging 40 points. I had a 50-point playoff game. I beat the Clippers essentially by myself. Like, what are we talking about here? But seeing what they did without him – A sweep. Even if he comes back and he's great in the finals, even if he wins another finals MVP, yep. there will still be people saying, okay, but look, look what you did in the were round. you a necessity or a luxury the same way if LeBron had never won that championship in Cleveland? If Kyrie had missed and Steph had made and LeBron had been to those four finals in Cleveland but lost all four, you know what people would say? Well, yeah, you've got two rings. You had to go to Miami to get them. You had to team up with Wade and Bosch. They would find a way to chip away at it. So if for Durant, 
The only mountain left to climb is one that Golden State doesn't present. I think New York is the biggest and the most attractive mountain to me. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.